0: Well, welcome, everybody, to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us. Especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Three times. And here's why, as I know, when you come to the, a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my, my hope is that you would come back and check us out, especially in these kind of unique seasons where, you know, you got to have, you know, majority of our church doesn't come uh, physically. And uh, so it's just a unique season right now. Pandemic world of COVID uh, is different. And so I'd love for you to come back, check us out at least three times. If you are watching online or if you're in here as well, um, go ahead and, and sign into Facebook. Let people know that you're here. Share and let people and like know, especially if you're online and you're watching right now, comment comment in a thread, and what helps us is that just kind of get the word out, share it on your wall. Also, we've been asking people to leave a review, a recommendation for the church. I'd love for you to do that uh, whenever it feels uh, available, or uh, you can do it uh, at any time. So one of, we are in the middle of, of a series called Jonah, and um, what's we've been loving uh, since we've been doing this last week is because it's such a unique book. I grew up in church, and I don't know if, you've been, if you grew up in church or went to any type of children's ministry or kids' school or kids' church, and you read a book about Jonah they always tell you kind of the highlights and they never really give you the deep, dark parts of Jonah. And Jonah is an incredibly deep book. It's an incredibly dark book. In fact, one of the best summaries I've ever heard about it. And we said this last week, I highly encourage you to go check this out. But I brought it back this week. This just kind of a summary of the book of Jonah. And it says this. It says it's the subversive story of a rebellious prophet who hates God for loving his enemies. Now, that doesn't sound like a children's book to me. And so we opened up Scripture and kind of learned a lot about Jonah last week. And chapter 1, we realized that he was, he was a prophet from God, and God asked him to go preach to a city called Nineveh, which is really the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which was really the enemy of Israel. And he didn't want to do that, so he runs from God. Now, some of us can relate to that. A lot of times God asks us to do something. We don't want to do it. We run, and we go the opposite direction. We learned about that last week. Again, highly encourage you. Go check it out at our podcast or on our YouTube channel. We'd love for you to see it. But this week, uh, at we got we kind of pick it up in chapter two. At the end of chapter one, he gets swallowed by a fish. That's what Jonah's claim to fame is. He gets swallowed by a fish. And we don't really know what happens until you get into chapter two, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. It's only 10 verses. So today we get to actually read the entire chapter. You guys are gonna read the entire chapter of Jonah, chapter number two, and we're gonna read it together. It's pretty quick, and we're gonna realize and see what does God, what do we do, what should we do? You know, when we're in in the belly of a fish. So cha- Jonah chapter number two, it says this, it says from inside the fish, again, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And Jonah prayed to the to the Lord, his God. Verse two, it says, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now when we read this, I want you to really pay attention to some of the imagery, some of the word usage that he does here, because it's a really, it's an interesting thing. He said, you hurled me into the depths to the very heart of the seas and the current swirled. About me, and all of your ways, breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, and yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. And verse six To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath uh, barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And in verse 9, this is kind of where we're going to camp today. Verse 9, he says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So he kind of has this moment with God. And then in verse 10, it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah Onto dry land, everybody say ew, right? And he vomited, and you know, it's kind of gross. So he vomited him onto dry land. With that as our backdrop today, uh, we're gonna pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for today. Lord, I thank you that we to open up your word. Your word your says so many things to us about our life. It speaks to us, even though it's an ancient book, it's a relevant book. It's relevant to what we go through, it's relevant to where we are right now. And I pray that today, God, you would speak clearly. God, make my words clear clear, make my make, make these notes seem understandable, God, because I know at the end of the day, you have notes for all of us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just take this moment in time and speak to us in the only way that you can. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, I, I love to vacation, and one of my favorite things to do on vacation is I love to go to the beach. Now, if you like to go to the beach, you know you're a lot like me. If you don't like to go to the beach, maybe you like to go to the mountains to vacation. You know, anybody like to go to the mountains on vacation? Maybe you're online. You, you're a mountain person. That's okay. You know, you could be wrong. I, I, beach is better, and so you know, the beach is what I like to go do. I got to do it at least once a year. And uh, one of the things that we did uh, one time uh, several years back, my wife and I went on a cruise. How many of y'all like cruises? You know, like cruises, like are amazing. And uh, you know, one of the main, you, you can eat. All all day long, basically, you eat as much as you want, all you have to do is, that's really all you do in a lot of ways is just eat, you know, and this was back before COVID happened, and, you know, we found out that cruises were like, you know, walking, you know, floating petri dishes, you know, for everything, and so so it was awesome, and so we went to Mexico, we went on a cruise to Mexico, we loved it, we thought it was incredible, but one of the things that you do on a cruise, if you've never been on one, is you go to a port, and you can do these things called excursions, and what excursions are is really just a way to get you out to the, you know, into the area, and one of the excursions that they offered was snorkeling, has anybody ever been snorkeling? snorkeling in their life, you kind of go snorkeling. I love it, because I like the water, and I like fish, and I like getting out, and and uh, I didn't, you know, it was kind of one of the first times I'd ever done it, and so, you know, we got this uh, excursion to go snorkeling, and they put us in this little tiny boat, and we drive, we drive, we boat drive out into the middle of nowhere, and they take us to this snorkeling area, and there's a reef, and there's some fish, and so the guy teaches us as we're going, he's like, hey, you know, you have to breathe through this tube now, and you got your mask, and make sure, you, you know, if it gets foggy, this is what you want to do, and he starts teaching us about how to snorkel, and, and we get, to our area. It's really, really neat. We get to our area and there's fish just everywhere. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like a snorkeler's dream, you know. I get there and he goes, remember? Okay, so hey, just remember, when you get down there, just remember your training and it'll be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. I'm like, okay, great. So I jump in right away. You know, my wife's a little timid about the water. She's not a very, I mean, if y'all don't like the ocean, you know, or any of the depths, you you and my wife would be two peas in a pod. She doesn't care for it much, but she did it for me, and so she's out there, and she's jumping in there, and I'm out there, so I jump in, and I'm starting to snorkel. I'm like, this is amazing, and I, and I, but when I first got in it, man, the water was so cold, it kind of took my breath away a little bit, and so I started kind of breathing really fast, and I'm like nervous, and I couldn't breathe really well through the tube, and my eyes couldn't really see really well, and I started to feel uncomfortable, and I start to see the fish. They start swimming around me, and for me, that was kind of cool. From some of you, like, that's like you know torture. You're like, why would the fish don't stay away? You know, you're in their world, so they're flying around you or whatever. And I look up, and I'm not kidding you. I looked up, and I, I looked to the right, and you know when you catch something out of the corner of your eye, you go like this, and then you kind of turn away just to make sure there was something there. Well, I turned, I looked, and I I did like a double take. I did like this. I'm like, what what was it? And there was a no lie, there was a barracuda floating next to my head. And uh, if you guys never seen a barracuda, it's like a really gnarly looking fish. Like they're just, they have big teeth and they look, you know, like you would think a piranha or something evil. You know, I, I don't feel like God created it. It's like, you know, abomination, something Satan made, you know. And, and so I'm like, I can't believe that I'm so, I, I look and I, I, and you know, I'm not proud of it, but I screamed, you know. I screamed because I was scared. I'm like ah, you know. Sorry, so I screamed. I started splashing, you know, violently. And the guides are like, "Hey, is everything okay?" You know, and I'm like trying to get to the boat. You know, I'm like splashing. I'm swimming as hard as I can, and I get to the boat. And I'm like, "Get me out! Get me out!" So I like they yank me up, and they're like, "Where are you? Are you hurt? Where are you bleeding? Is everything okay?" And I go, "Did you see that fish?" And the guides are like, "What fish? I said, that barracuda? There was a bear, like something big with teeth." And they looked down. They said, "That." You talking about that fish? And they literally, like, he pointed to it and it was this big, y'all. <laughs> and he goes, that that fish right there. And I go, I go, I'm tell- no, there was someone bigger. He goes, No, I was watching you. There's that one right there. Is that a little, that little tiny little fish right there? Why were you, why were you upset about that? I said, Well, it looked bigger in the water, right? It looked big. I couldn't I couldn't tell. I started to get freaked out. I started with- now why I tell you that crazy story. Because the, the truth is, have you ever noticed that when you are underwater in life? Like when you're, when you you feel like you are going through a tough season and a tough situation and a terrible moment, maybe you're in the middle of that right now and the pandemic has been the worst thing for you because you felt ever since this thing started, you felt like you were underwater in the belly of the beast. Come on. Have you ever noticed that when you're in those situations, the small things, come on, they all of a sudden look big. The big things look small. Everything is distorted because you can't see right. Some of you all struggle with breathing. Come on. we, we, We have panic attacks. I'm speaking to somebody right now. And, and you get in those moments and you can't breathe and you can't think right and you can't make good decisions and you can't move and you don't know what's going on. And what's interesting is like if you're a Christian, you and I have been taught through Scripture so much of how to handle it when we're underwater in the belly of the beast. And yet when we get underwater, we forget all our training. That's why those guys are like, you forgot what we told you. Like, don't panic. Don't freak out. Swim normal. They're There's small fish. What you thought was a shark was a guppy. Come on. And, and, and we, we freak out in those moments. But the truth of the matter is we, we need to know what to do when we're underwater in the belly of the beast. Like, how do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Do you do what I did? Do you start splashing around? Do you start freaking out? Do you start saying things that you don't mean? Do you start living things, living ways you don't want to live? Come on. Do you start thinking things you shouldn't think? Come on. Do you start making things bigger than they should be? Do you start making things smaller than they need to be? Come on, like, I'm telling you, it starts to mess with you, and you have to ask yourself that question. What do you do when you're under water, when you're in the belly of the beast? Come on, I'm telling you that we're going to need to know how to do that. Jonah has some incredible imagery. I wanted to go back and show you some of the scriptures I want to read. From the deep in the realm of the dead. Come on, y'all. Like, if you were to write a story about your life right now, you'd probably start with that. From the deep in the realm of the dead. He goes on, he says, the current swirled about me and the waves and breakers swept over me. Anybody felt recently like you got hit by a wave? Come on. Anybody? Come on online. I hear that. Amen. Verse. he, He said, I said, I have been banished from your sight. This is such a Christian thing to do. We get in our tough situations and then we go, God, you don't see me. Where are you? I can't see you. You can't see me. Apparently you walked away. Come on, don't we do that? Just me? Okay, just me. All right. Or, or this is maybe, he said, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed, come on y'all. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Some of us feel like seaweed's wrapped around our head, our ankles, our body, our neck, and you're being choked out right now. And, and, And we need to know how to Handle the engulfing moments. What do we do when you're underwater? Jonah shows us that what we can do is pray a simple prayer of deliverance. And then I believe, I believe this, I believe this is what would be called a, a, uh, not just a descriptive verse, but a prescriptive verse, which means it doesn't just tell us what happened with Jonah. It could be something that could happen in our lives. Amen. And that if we could actually practice what maybe something that Jonah did, and if you are in a tough moment, which I would go to say 99.99999% people are right now. If you're in that place, we could pray this prayer on a daily basis Come on, and have a moment of deliverance every day. That's my hope today. So I want to give you three uh, kind of three aspects of a deliverance prayer. How to pray a deliverance prayer from verse 9. So if you're taking notes, we're going to kind of camp in verse 9 about how to pray a prayer of deliverance in your tough spot. Y'all ready? Everybody say okay. Everybody say I got you. All right. Number one is this. Number one, how to pray a prayer of deliverance. We need to be thankful in our depths. Now, I get it. Like, that's counterintuitive to everything that you and I know. Because when I'm in a tough situation, the last thing I I feel like and want to be and act like is thankful. The last thing I want to do when I'm going through a tough moment, when I just got yelled at by my boss, when I just got into a fight with my wife, when I just lost money, come on, when I just saw my kid do something crazy that you like, whose child? Y'all start with that sentence, right? When your kid does something crazy, like, whose kid are you? Because you ain't Mine. Whenever I'm in those situations, the last thing I want to do is, like, God, thanks. It's powerful. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful. None of us want to do that. But Jonah shows us in his deepest, darkest moments, one of the best things you and I could do is be thankful. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he says this. He says, but I, with shouts of sorrowful praise. No. Wait, 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 with shouts of depressed praise. No. With shouts of, like, you know, Mopey praise, no, no. With shouts of grateful, everybody say grateful. grateful. It's important. With shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice. You. He said. God. I think Jonah got an understanding that he needed to be grateful in that moment to get him out of the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grateful there in the Hebrew is uh, is an interesting word. It's toda. It's like ta right? Like not that's not what it means. But it's toda, and literally means confession or song of gratitude that, that the Bible speaks to us to say, God, Jonah is in, again, go back to what I said in, in chapter one, regardless last week, regardless of whether or not we think this is true or not, whether that Jonah was really in a well, that's not the point. The, the, the story or the lesson of the story is that you and I will be in a deep spot and at a tight spot, come on, in a in an area where we're not going to feel comfortable and it's not going to be what we chose and it's not what we wanted and we're going to get in that spot and in order for us to get out of that spot we're going to have to find our toda moment our grateful praise moment and learn how to be so grateful you have a song has anybody ever been so thankful you started singing about it come on, you all remember you ever had those moments where you go to the mailbox isn't it the best thing in the world like does anybody just love to get the mail like I love to get the mail so I'm like oh my gosh it's like a gift every day, you know? And it's like a bill, and you're like, oh man, you know? But have you ever opened up an envelope where you thought it was going to be a bill and it was actually a credit or a check? Come on, somebody. Right, you're like, I wasn't even anticipating this. You open it up and you saw, your neighbors were walking you and you are like, this is the day, this is the day. And you're like dancing down the street. And you're like, what is going on? Like, what's wrong with that guy? That guy just got a check in the mail. He's thankful. He's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Like at some point, right, Jonah was speaking to us. He was saying, you got to be thankful so much that you have a song of gratitude. Look, a song of gratitude will elevate and change your attitude. And then there's something about being grateful, even in the toughest moments. I know it's counterintuitive and I know you shouldn't. But if you did, come on. If you just take a step in that direction, it'll actually mess with you, not just emotionally and spiritually, but it'll, it'll actually change you physically. There's a doctor named Alex Corb. He says this. He says, gratitude boosts the neurotransmitters dopamine and serotonin and the hormone oxytocin. Come on, those all sound powerful. Like, I want all those, right? Just get them in my head. And all associated with well-being and having a positive outlook on life. Like, you can actually, fizz, if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, one of the best things you can do, get up every day and have a song to God about being grateful. Like, oh, pastor, I don't have anything to be grateful for. I get it. Neither did Jonah, he was being digested. So, so what I'm saying is, is it might be that you're not grateful for your circumstance, right? But you're grateful for what it could be. You're grateful. What I mean, I'm telling you, there's something that that, that could happen. And if we could do that, it'll help you not just emotionally, but physically. So, how do we do that? Because I, I want to help you and I want to help me. Like something like Lord, because I asked this question. So I'm putting these notes together. I'm like, God, how do we be thankful? One way you can be thankful in a tough situation is to remember back when God got you from something that you thought he would never get you from? Right. Like just remember the last time God saved you. Yeah. You remember the last time you said, come on, like let's be honest, right? Can we all be honest in here? Like we'll just group therapy session. Like let's be honest, there was a time before maybe even recently where you got into a situation and you were like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. There was a time when you were like this is it? This is how the story ends. Like, like You know, you're swimming, you're snorkeling, the barracuda comes up, this is it. And you're like, oh, you said, God, I don't know how, come on, I don't know how you're going to make me, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this one. And you stand, come on, come on, you're sitting here, you're here. And some of us, one of the best ways that you and I can be thankful in our tough moments is go back and remember the time that God's brought you Back before, one of the we, we it's a it's a human condition to forget. Just so you know, it's a human thing to forget all the ways that God saved you before. I find I, sometimes I feel like God like laughs us a little bit, you know, because like, sometimes we say stuff like, "God, I don't know how you're gonna do it." He's like, "I'll tell you how, like I did last time." <laughs> Didn't you learn, right? Like don't you think like God sometimes does that? I just think sometimes God laughs and like God don't learn. Aaron, what's wrong with you? Why are you worried about? Why are you worried about this? When I did that, children of Israel had this issue. You know, they their famous story inside of Exodus, in the whole books of Exodus is about them having an Exodus out of Egypt, out of slavery, from a terrible Pharaoh into the Promised Land. God delivers them. It's a miracle. Parts the Red Sea in the process, just like the for good measure, just so you know. I'm big time. You know, God's showing off a little bit. Like, God could have probably just brought him around the river, you know, done something different. Maybe he didn't have to bring him to the river. But just shows them, come on, come on, shows them that he can do anything, and they forget. In fact, the Bible says it in, in Deuteronomy chapter number 12, uh, 6, and he says, this is verse 12, Be careful that you do not forget, Lord, who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery that you and I so easily forget what God did before. And if we just remember, come on, if we just remember, you it's easier for you to be thankful for what he's going to do, even if he hasn't done it yet. The biggest problem with the children of Israel was not, their, it was not the desert. It was their attitude toward it. So if you want to change your attitude, you got to change your gratitude. That's a good, like, tweet that. Anyway, uh, action step. <laughs> One of the ways you can kind of think about this, I just want to put some like hands to this. Like One of the ways you could think about a time when God brought you out of a tough situation. That's one of the good things you can do inside this moment to be thankful. Number two is this, is uh, follow through with, with our vows. So we're talking about having a prayer of deliverance so that we can get out of our tough situations. So, so Jonah starts with a grateful praise, right? And then he gets into this moment where he follows through. He's, in, he's recommitting to his vows. He says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he says, for what I have vowed, I'm going to make good. Like I'm gonna follow through and make good on what I promised God. And isn't it interesting how every time you and I get into a tough situation, we start bargaining with God or start convincing ourselves that, oh, you know what, I know I've made that promise, but it's not that big of a deal. Isn't it easy to abandon promises in the moment when things get tough? Come on, let's be honest. Whether it's something simple like, hey, you made a promise to run a mile and halfway through the mile. Anybody ever done that? You're like, I'm going to run 10 miles today. And you start running and you get to like half a mile and you're like, never mind. <laughs> Beep. That smoothie looks better. Let's be honest. But it's easy to abandon what we promise when the going gets tough. I remember um, when I got married to my wife. You know, me and my wife, we stood together together. At the altar, we got married and we did these, we made these, y'all, come on, married couples, y'all remember, you made these vows. Some of y'all don't remember, you're like, I don't remember that. I don't remember promising nothing, and so, uh, but you did. You promised. You made. You made. A, you held their hand, and you looked into her eyes, and she was, you know, the angel, and you're just, you, she's amazing, and just princess, and you looked into his eyes, and he wasn't a frog no more. All of a sudden, he was just Prince Charming. He was just powerful, just a man of God standing right there, and you were just excited for the future, and you made these vows. You said stuff like, "Come on, y'all! Remember y'all? Y'all said this for richer. Come on, online. If you remember this, you can you can help me complete it for richer or Poor. Yeah, you said poorer. You did. You did. You know. And in your mind, you might have said for richer and then more richer. But you did. You said it for richer for poor. And and you 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 helped define what your va- you made a promise under God that no matter what happened, whether you were on land or you were in the belly of a fish, you 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 were gonna you were gonna follow through with what you followed. Come on, you would you made promise. You said things like in sickness and in health. So sometimes things aren't gonna go in. But I've just noticed that like in the morning. You know, it's probably hard for my wife to remember the vows because, like, I got eye boogers and I got bad, you know, stank breath in the morning, and she's probably in that moment going, like, I don't might not really understand what I made a promise about. This, what was I thinking, right? Have you ever had that moment where you made the vow in the middle of? Mar- Come on! But but you, it's easy to try to compromise and give up on what you vowed in a tough moment. But Jonah's showing us is like, if you want deliverance from your tough moment, keep at it, make good on it, walk it out, do what you promised. You said you were going to do. One of the ways you know that you actually are going to make good on your promise to God is to have, honestly, the fruits of the Spirit who are from God. It's, it's, it's like you know that you're living by the Spirit if you have fruits of the Spirit. If, if, you're, if the things that are coming out of you are godly in nature, I'd say it like this, good fruit comes from good root. And so I've just noticed, like, if I plant good seed and have good root of an orange, I don't have to pray to God that the orange will come, right? It's just natural. So, I would, so if I walk in the fruits of the Spirit, which are, are, are byproducts of living by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, if I have a Spirit-filled life, then I'm, I, can, I can actually have fruits of that Spirit in my life. It's evidence that I'm keeping my promise to Him. That I'm going to live the way that he asked me to live and keep the covenant that he asked me to keep covenant of. So an action step could be for you and I from this point could be go talk to your best friend, your spouse, a, a good, maybe, you know, a pastor, maybe a, a, a boss, someone who knows you well. And just ask them, do I live by the fruits of the spirit? And when they ask you what that even means, show them this, because these are the fruits of the spirit. Bible talks about them. Ask them, do I live with love? Am I a loving person? Do my, do my words have love? And then don't defend. Don't make excuses. Keep the yeah buts out of your mouth. Right? Because we all do that. Well, Aaron, you know, you yelled at me that one time. Yeah, but you deserved it. So, so no yeah buts. Do you have the evidence of joy in your life? Come on, church. Do you, do you have the heaven? Do you walk with peace? Are you patient with your kids? Are, are you kind to other people at HEB when they bump your cart and they didn't they meant it? Come on. What, what, do, are you, do you have a goodness in part of your soul? Are you faithful in tough seasons? Are you gentle with other people? Come on. Do you have self-control when you're at the buffet? Come on. Like, I'm telling you. Like, you got to ask yourself, do I have fruits of the Spirit? You'll, 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 you'll know you made good on your promise if you're living by the Spirit. Come on. And that will ultimately help you lead, I believe it will lead you to, to, to deliverance. Third one is this. So, so we can be grateful in a tough situation. And then we can, we can make good on our vows, as Jonah says. And then he, he ends with this interesting statement. He says, he says, and this is our third point, to remember God is in control. He says this. And Jonah, at the end, he says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And I was reading that. And I'm like, Jonah, who are you trying to convince? God knows that. You're praying. You're talking to God. God knows that. But what I realized is that Jonah wasn't telling himself something. Uh, he wasn't telling God something that he himself knows. He was telling himself something God knows. He was encouraging. Bob said, like, encourage yourself in the Lord. Like, sometimes you got to remind yourself, wait a minute. God is in control. Wait a minute. God can get me through this. Wait a minute. God was the creator of heaven and earth, and he created all this anyway. He can do anything. Come on. Sometimes we gotta not just know it, we gotta we gotta speak it that God is in control. Isaiah chapter 46 says it like this: He says, Remember the things I have done in the past, is God speaking of Himself. He says, For I alone am God. He's like, Let me remind you who I am. I'm not confused by it. You might need some reminding. I am God, and there is none like me. I like what he says in verse 10. Only I can tell the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For guess what? I do whatever I wish. I'm the boss. I'm not worried. I don't lack power. I'm not wondering what you're going to do, right? Like, I'm not going. I've never said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. God says, I can do whatever I want to do. Why? Because he's ultimately in full control. And those who people, come on, I'm telling you, this is good. This is for somebody. For those people who are stuck, for us, for me, for when I'm stuck in a situation There's a difference in people who believe it, who believe God's in control. Their posture's different. They don't do this. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? I don't know. They're after me again. Satan's after me. Let me tell you what happened. You have like an Eeyore. You ever met the Eeyore spirit, people? It's like you just want them to smile. I want to shake you sometimes. I'll meet some people. I'm like, just smile. I've never seen you smile. I've never, you ever met the people where you ask them how they're doing and then they tell you like terrible all the time? You stop asking, right? Don't you, don't you do that? Don't you stop asking those people how they're doing? You're like, I didn't know how you're doing. (laughs) Never mind. But the people who know God's really in control, they lift their eyes. They, 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 They have a different posture in a tough situation. They lift their eyes. The Bible talks about lofty. Lift your eyes. Scripture says it like this. They use it a lot. They lift your eyes on high. They lift your eyes on high and see who's created these stars. They lift them up. Now, i taught this before. I had someone come up to me and ask me one time. They said, Pastor, that's good. I said, well, thank you. High five. Before, you know, we, we, when we could high five people. Um, and he said, he said uh, how do I lift my eyes, like practically? And I thought that was a good question. And, um. And I really prayed about it. I felt like God gave me a word for lifting your eyes. So I'm ending with this. This is my end. So this is the close. This is, we can play the pretty music. Okay, so like we're done. But if you checked out, check back in. This is really, really important. I want, because I think this is a lost art inside of the Protestant church and the evangelical church that we, we've got away from. That is an incredible tool when we are in our depths, when we are underwater. One of the best ways that you and I can lift our eyes is a thing called biblical confession. Um, you know, depending on where you come from, background wise, maybe a religious wise or the church that you grew up in, you know, confession, you, you would think that a certain denomination or sect might have like the, the market on confession. That's not true. Confession is actually a very biblical thing. And I think that there are some Protestant evangelical churches that don't teach it right and biblically and in a way that we could actually use it to our advantage when we're in a tough situation. And there's an incredible story inside of the book of Ezra. It's in the Old Testament. Go back and read it. But um, just for context, Ezra was a leader of the Israelite people for a season. And they had made a covenant with God that the men would not marry women from another tribe that worshipped a different God. So it wasn't about race. It was about worshipping God. They had worshipped false gods, false idols. God had made a covenant with their people. Marry only people who worship me. Which is not bad advice for people, honestly, right now, single people. Come on, like be careful that we don't. It's it's we gotta be careful that we uh, Bible even talks about like you don't try not to live unequally yoked, which means you gotta be careful getting around people who don't believe the way that you believe because it causes problems. How many of y'all know marriage is hard enough? <laughs> but he was talking about it in Ezra and he was saying, be careful. You made a covenant with me, you're only gonna marry people who who actually would worship me, the God of the Bible, the God of the Israelite people, Yahweh. Come on, like there was, a, there was a difference. And they started breaking covenant with God. They started marrying all kinds of people who worship all kind of false gods and false idols. And so they had a moment where they understood they had broke covenant with God. And Ezra enters into a biblical confession moment with God. And I think if we can do some of these things in our depths, it will actually lead us to our deliverance. Number one is this, talking about biblical confession. Number one is this, is the first step to biblical confession is owning our sin. So it's acknowledging our sin and owning our sin and recognizing that there was a sinful act that happened. By definition, it was an affront or actually did something different than the way God had originally planned. Now, just so you know, anytime God gives us a command to do something, it's not to keep something from us. It's to protect us from something in the future, just so you know. And anybody who's ever sinned and actually have felt the consequence of that, we always realize later, right? They say, hindsight's 2020. It's because it is. Because you can look back and go, oh, now I see why God said not to do that. Now I see why that's a sin. So they have a moment where Ezra does this. I'll read it for you. He says he owns their own sin. He says, and now, oh, our God, what can we say after all of this? For once again, we have abandoned your commands. We have, we have sinned. And an idea, anytime you have somebody, an evidence of false confession is when you see someone try to confess and blame it on other people. So when somebody says, well, that was a sin, but you know what? It was really their fault. That's not real confession. Real confession is going, no, I sinned. I made the decision. I made it. I own it. It's mine. I accept it. I understand. I broke the commands of God. Then it leads you to the second step of biblical confession, which is ultimately a really big part of it that I think sometimes we skip over uh, to the message of grace, which is not a, which is, I'm not, we're not against. I'm just telling you, we skip over this part, which is incredibly important, but it's to detest the sin. So now that we not only acknowledge it, but we're actually appalled by it. And my concern as a pastor is that a lot of Christians nowadays can not just identify sin, but they don't get appalled by it. There's no conviction level of it. Come on. There's no level in your heart where you see it and you recognize not that just it's sin, but it's evil and it's wrong. And we need to call it out and actually see it and help people not just recognize it, but move past it and move away from it. There's, we need to. I'm concerned. For my own soul that I see sin and I'm not bothered by it. That we need to have some level of conviction in that sin. Ezra does it like this. He shows us. He says, well, Ezra prayed and made this confession. Remember, he's in confession moment. He was weeping, he was crying, and he was lying face down. If you go back and read the context, it wasn't just him, but the entire Israelite people were on their face, crying at their sin. So they weren't condemned because they didn't like they didn't have any hope. They were convicted. There was a detesting about it. There was they were appalled at the evilness of it. And we should be appalled at the evilness of sin. When you see a kid sex trafficked in the world, that's evil and that's sin. It should make you sick. There should be an abhorrent spirit about our lives where we're like, that's wrong. That's not just wrong, it's evil. When you see racism rise up in the world, there should be a feeling inside of us that looks at that and go, that's evil and wrong and it's sick and it needs to be healed in Jesus' name. When you see people taken advantage of, when you see things happen in life, when you see sin, there is a level of biblical confession where you need to be convicted. We need to be convicted. Are are you hearing what I'm saying? It's important. That we don't just move to grace, but we understand the evil of sin. Here's why. It helps us appreciate the holiness and the incredible gift of grace which is our third step of biblical confession. So you don't stop there. You ultimately get to the grace over sin part of biblical confession, which is in Ezra, where he says this. I love it. He says, but in spite of all this, in spite of the evil in my heart, in spite of the evil in my lips, in spite of the evil in my mind, in spite of the evil in my hands, in spite of all this, there is hope for Israel. That's you and I, that we have a hope in Jesus through Jesus Christ. We have a hope in God that there's something about Being in the family of God that we don't have to live without hope. So yes, we acknowledge sin. Yes, we're appalled by it. But there's hope. That ultimately leads us to our own deliverance. So you don't have to live in condemnation. Condemnation is sin without hope. Really? I got no hope. God doesn't want you condemned. There's a level of conviction that's holy that leads us to the hope and grace. It's why it makes grace so incredible and so beautiful and so brilliant. And What's made God so holy is because sin's so evil. And it's free to us. It's free. and We didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. I'm the king sinner at this church. Thank God he saved me. Thank God I get to get up every day, have my own biblical confession moment. God, I acknowledge my sin. I'm appalled by it, but I have grace and faith and hope in you. Why? 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 so we can get out of the depths of the worst parts of our life. If you are in that place right now, my prayer is that today you would find a way to be grateful in your season. Then maybe that would, gratefulness could lead you into renewing and remaking good on your vows to God. That could ultimately maybe lead you into recognizing and have a posture of believing that God is in control and He can do what He said He could do. That's my prayer for you today.